Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome, welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach. And I am here with yet another high demand coach, one that I think you're going to find fascinating, and that is the one and only Mr. Tom Henschel. For more than 30 years, Tom Henschel has helped hundreds of senior leaders achieve the look and sound of leadership. Fascinating. His expertise, uh, his expertise, sorry, as a communications coach has taken him to executive offices at companies such as Amazon, Citigroup, Toyota, Warner Brothers, and just about everyone else, by the way. Uh, and now, in addition to coaching executives, Tom also facilitates team events and he delivers interactive trainings in the areas of presentation skills, effective communications, and influence skills at companies such as Disney, Nissan, and Taco Bell, and again, many others. And if I've ever been uh, more self-conscious in an intro before now, I don't think it's possible. But Tom's uh, here. He's here to talk to us about the look and sound of leadership. Now, before we get in there, because I know it's just going to be a fascinating conversation, I'd love to rewind the tape a little bit and just hear what was your story? What were you doing before you were doing uh, the look and sound of, of leadership and essential communications? And and why did you decide to to start the new business? Okay, well here we go. So this is my second career. Yes, I've been doing this for thirty years, but before that, I was a professional actor. I was yeah. trained at the Juilliard School when Juilliard hadn't even turned out actors yet. And uh, then I worked on theater and television here in Southern California for literally decades, like twenty five oh. years. So I made a living. I did that. But what I could see, Scott, was that it was not going to sustain me. I mean, like I wasn't going to be 60 years old and still acting and taking care of my family. So like the question was, what was I going to do instead? Mm. And I thought I was going to teach. Uh, and I tried teaching for a little while and really hated it. <laughs> and because I'd never had a straight job, I didn't know there was a thing called corporate training. But when I found out about corporate training, I went and I was a presentation skills trainer. Right. I mean, Perfect segue for me as an actor, as a director, as whatever. And almost immediately, I got asked to work one-on-one -on -one with senior leaders. Um, it wasn't even called coaching in those days. Mm -hmm. it, it was like, would you work one-on-one -on -one with our division president and make him more presidential? And I was like, yeah, that sounded like an acting exercise to me. Yeah. So I that was the beginning of coaching. Then I actually worked with a woman who trained me, and I've been coaching ever since on this thing called the look and sound of leadership. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, so I'd love to dive into a little bit about what you do. Uh, so if you could, what would you say is the most important work that you're doing with your clients right now? Hmm. The most important work I think is often helping them 
hit the goals that the organization wants for them. So the bulk of my clients are corporate clients. Um, because of my podcast, The Look and Sound of Leadership, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, a lot of people with smaller companies also reach out to me. But the bulk of my clients are in big organizations. So that's my framework. And usually there's a uh, some goal, some something where, you know, they want you to be high performing. They want to give you that that promotion to the senior vice president. But uh, we need something. We need your people to be happier. We need you to be better in front of the board of directors, whatever it is. That's the important work that I come in and do. So I help people get their promotions. I help people get their next best thing. Yeah, that's fantastic. So I'm dying to know, what does leadership look and sound like, right? Because you you look at definitions for leadership and, you know, uh, you know leadership is influence or Drucker's leaders. You know, if you want to know who's a leader, look for someone who has followers. Uh, you know, our personal definition, you know, leadership is any act that helps two or more achieve their shared goals. None of those have anything to do with what leadership looks or sounds like. So I'm dying to know, what is the look and sound of leadership? Ooh, well, it depends. So here, I'll give you an example. This is a real thing that happened to me was I was coaching one day at a division of Warner Brothers that is really, they were like renegades. They had pinball machines by the elevators. And I mean, they were kind of crazy and they were a lot of fun. I went from coaching one of their leaders to this capital management group downtown Los Angeles, up in a high rise. They still wore ties in those days. Like they were so buttoned up. They had carpet where you couldn't hear anybody talk or walk. You can imagine that leadership looked really different in those two places. And they do look different. So partly what I want to say is if you're thinking about being a leader, the question is, like whom? Like, I mean, mm -hmm. if you're the if you're the business owner, you're going to model leadership and people are going to start doing what you do. Right. Yeah. But if you're in an organization and you look up the ladder, what does leadership look like? Because that's probably what leadership's going to look like for your promotion. So mm. I'm not sure if I actually answered your question because that's kind of a theory. I'm not sure if I answered it. It's or good. Not. I think uh, we're on a. So uh, let me ask it another way. What does leadership not look like? Oh, it doesn't look like hesitancy. It doesn't look like chaos. It doesn't look like confusion. Um, and it doesn't look like avoidance. So one of the things that leaders struggle with, and I know they struggle with this because they talk to me about it all the time, is having hard conversations. Who likes having hard conversations, right? I mean, it's hard. That's why they're hard. And uh, leaders who are really good, they do it. They know how to just, and they're not walking in and like cutting people's heads off. They're not walking in with like a baseball bat and whacking people, but they know how to have difficult conversations. They've read all those books and they've really taken it to heart. Yeah. So that's one thing that leadership doesn't look like. It doesn't look like avoidance. It does look like having teeth, holding people accountable. That's hard. Yeah. Wow. So uh, next question here is um, coming from the world of acting where you're inherently, you know, portraying someone else, right? To moving to the world of corporate where hopefully we're portraying ourselves. How do you help folks to kind of navigate the that line of authenticity and putting yourself in your best light? Oh, I love that question, Scott. So I have this question all the time with my clients where I'll say, look, uh, Let's talk about your behavior in meetings and this part. I think if you could change this part, I think you'd really get different results. And they say, 
but that wouldn't be authentic. And I go, well, wait a minute. It, it, if it's intentional, isn't it authentic? But it's not the real me. And I go, yeah, but the real you is like a hot mess. The real you is like <laughs> not getting your promotion. The real you is like getting tough feedback from your colleagues and your peers. Like, why is that good? Why do you want to stick with that just because it's, quote, authentic? I talk about something called acting on the corporate stage. Uh, Scott, I got to tell you, when I started working in companies and going to people's offices, I was appalled. There was a lot of bad behavior. And again, this is a long time ago, behavior that would not be allowed anymore. But there was a lot of, I mean, bad language, raised voices, people throwing things at each other, like, oh, my God. And I was like, don't you know that like people see what you do? I mean, really, you are being watched. Mm. And if you're a leader, you are like a celebrity. Everybody's watching you. So what about the corporate stage and everybody around you is the quote unquote audience. I think being intentional about getting the result you want isn't inauthentic. It mm. may mean that you need to stretch and change and develop. And I'm guessing you help your people help them grow and change and develop. That doesn't mean it's inauthentic. Yeah. Am I addressing the thought you had? Yeah, no, it's right on. Uh, and, and because, uh, and I don't approach the in anywhere the same way, shape, or form, but one of the things that happens, uh, we use different leadership styles, right? And and each of the styles has a gifting. And what happens uh, kind of as that leadership style becomes more and more prominent, the other leadership styles kind of go down, right? So you have someone who, let's say they're a visionary leader. They're all in visionary. I'm flying my visionary freak flag you know it's a hundred miles an hour in every direction all at the same time and it's a big challenge for them especially when it's so pronounced because to move into any of those other styles for a budget meeting for example right it it actually feels inauthentic right and so one of the big things i'm trying to help folks do is to say hey you're not a visionary leader you have a visionary style and I hear a lot of what you're saying, the same thing is you aren't that thing, right? You have, you aren't your communications, right? You aren't your communication style. You have a communication style. And you can choose, right? Yes. You yes. can choose to interrupt people. You could choose to use foul language. You could choose, right? And in yeah. the same way that you're talking about this idea of it's my style, I can turn the volume up or turn the volume down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. You're not being inauthentic. I love it. Uh, all right. So there's a, a another, um, and I, I always forget the source on this, but there's a, a, a saying that says, the, the culture of the kingdom emanates from the character of the king. Culture of the kingdom emanates from the character of the king. So as you're helping leaders kind of you have their own look and feel, how do you see that translating into the cultures of their organizations? Well, sometimes it's just the organization, the, the culture of their team or whatever, mm -hmm. right? Because I don't coach every CEO in the world. Of course. But but I think it does happen. I think it happens. Uh, I'll give you a really good example. Woman that I've been coaching for a long time uh, moved to a new team. Her new team had learned because of their previous leader to not ask questions. That was their thing. Don't ask questions because it makes you look stupid and he's right. going to bite your head off. Her whole thing was, wait, if you don't ask me questions, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, why are you guys so quiet? Like, what? Come on. She had to actually kind of model it, prove that it was safe. So she was trying to actually change culture in her team. 
by being intentional with her behavior. I think we do this in our families of origin. I think we do this with our children. I think we do this with our partners. Uh, you know, I think we do this all the time of what we model ends up coming back to us. Right. I think the challenge for leaders is they're all busy. Yeah. And so often that second track of like, what am I doing right now? What is my word choice? What's my tone of voice? How am I doing with my, I don't know, whatever, eye contact, asking open-ended questions, whatever, the list goes on, right? Yeah. They don't have time because they're busy. And again, the people that I'm coaching, you know, like 300 emails a day and their calendars look like, oh my Lord, it just looks painful. So, and then I'm going to say to them, well, don't forget to ask open-ended questions. It's like, you know, that's hard. So I think when you can expand it to what you're talking about, this idea of if I could remember to ask an open-ended question, it will change the people around me. Yeah. It's not just about me. I think yeah. sometimes that can help people get tapped into kind of a bigger purpose. And yeah. I think sometimes it can be helpful. It's fantastic. Uh, so we're a couple of years now into the new normal, if you will. COVID had just a dramatic impact on how we communicate in the workplace, not the least of which was you know working from home, right? So what are some of the biggest ways you've seen leaders have to adapt their communication style, techniques, uh, the amount of time and energy they spend on it? How has communication changed in the workplace? Oh my Lord, how much time have we got? <laughs> God, this is so intense. Listen, uh, one of the things that I'm aware of is it is not the same for everybody. Yeah. But one of the things that has gone away that I think, I think people like working from home, but one of the things that has gone away and people acknowledge it is the hallway moment, the water cooler moment, the walking to the men's room moment where, you know, I see you and I go, oh, hey, Scott that meeting yesterday and we, and, and, and something happens, hmm. our trust deepens with each other, whatever it is, we suddenly think of something and we should bring Melanie in on that. And right. Work is happening while I'm going to the men's room. That does not happen anymore when I'm working at home. Cause if I don't make an appointment to talk to you, I'm not going to talk to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that leaders have really had a challenge with is keeping people connected making sure that trust is being deepened, yeah. um, making sure that people are talking to each other about maybe even stuff that isn't even work-related. It's really, really challenging. Oh, my yeah. Lord. Oh, it's. I think it's really hard and yeah. sad. Yes. So uh, again, tr I think you nailed it because like results are kind of there and output, you know, depending on who you ask, outputs up or down. And uh, but I think this issue of trust, right, especially for a, a leader and their team is a big one who uh, maybe not even who, but the folks that are doing it well, right, that, that you're coaching with. Uh, what are the you know, what are one or two things that you see that they've implemented that have helped them succeed in developing and garnering and building trust? in a, a remote workplace? Well, I'll just give you three real quickies. Yeah. Number one is I think they've really challenged their teams to get good on Zoom. There is one team that I work with. It's like being in the room with them. They over talk each other. They talk simultaneously. They pop each other in and out, not each other. They pop themselves in and out of mute. They're really good. And so they're time together is dynamic. So that's mm -hmm. one thing is leaders who really say, let's use this tool and make it as close to interactive as we can. That's number yeah. one. Number two is, I think they promote dialogue. So they will say, Scott, I really need you to go talk to Myrna. 
and do that and let me know what that conversation is like. So yeah. I'm forcing you to get on Myrna's calendar and right, but they're promoting it. That's number two. And number three is I think they're being creative about how they lead their meetings. They're not just doing, you know, kind of a 15 minute huddle because I don't think that works in the same way anymore, but they're trying to get people talking to each other and listening to each other. They're trying to get people to share in different ways. They're using different tools for meeting management. Mm. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. Those are all great points. Um, so I'm going to shift gears just slightly, but it's kind of in the same vein. And, and that is, what do you see again using kind of COVID as as kind of a, a juxtaposition, if you will, or a, a point in time that changed things? Uh, what do you see are some of the biggest mistakes that folks are making? Wow. Well, <laughs> so I'm coaching a, a president of a international bank who basically has told his people, if you're not back in the office, you're not getting promoted because I can't see you. And I just want to say, I don't think his people are going to like that. I don't think it's Mm. good for his company. I don't think it's good. It's the failure of perspective taking. He, He can be in the office for his own reasons, but he's really lost perspective and, and he's not an uncaring man. But he wants to drive the business a certain way, and he has urgency, and he has a board of directors pushing him, and I get it. But that's the biggest thing that I've seen. And by the way, these are not all mistakes, but Scott, I want to say, I don't know what you're seeing, but man, everybody is doing the quote-unquote come back to work, the return to work. It's Nobody has it locked up and solved. Everybody's doing it differently, and we'll find out in a year what works, yeah. right? Yeah. But so that's one of the mistakes that I see is this idea of like, I'm, because I'm the boss, I can mandate to you, and you'll have to do what I say or quit. Like, I don't care. <laughs> mm, it's not a great solution. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, I, 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 I wish I had an answer. I'm in the same boat as you. It's like, it, I've seen it done a hundred different ways. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like only time will tell. You know, anyone who says that they've got it figured out, they do not have it figured out right now. Um, it's it's one of those, uh, I was, I'm trying to remember what it was, but uh, it was about 200 years after the start of the French Revolution, so relatively recently. Uh, and he's a, a historian and they asked him, you know, what would you say is really now that we're 200 years in the full impact of the French Revolution? He said, it's still too early to tell. <laughs> and, oh, and, I like that. <laughs> and it's so, you know, I think, you know, with a lot of this stuff of, you know, how COVID has reset things, uh, you know, we're, we're trying so desperately to get back to not clarity, but, um, but like a, a knowing, like a, a concrete, like we have it figured out, right? Uh, a certainty. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just too early to tell. It's I just am with you. Yeah. yeah. Fascinating. All right. So here's here's a moment uh, I've been waiting for. It's my favorite part of the show. And, and that, that's where we we dive into uh, this question. And that is, what is the biggest secret that you wish wasn't a secret at all? What's that one thing that you wish every leader listening today knew? It's going to echo your thing about leadership style. This is something I find myself saying in almost every coaching engagement that I have. At some point, I say... If you want to be an effective leader, you have to do two things every day. You have to manage your tasks and all that accountability stuff, and you need to build and maintain positive relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Processing people. Now, I don't think this is mind-blowing yet, but I want to add one more. I think all of us were born a certain way. 
we, I mean, I'll, just for myself as an example, I was way high with people and really sucked with process. <laughs> and, and as an actor, by the way, I didn't need process. Other people took care of process, right? They told me when to show up at the theater or when to be on set. Uh, all that was taking care of me. Great. So as a leader, I think it's important that you know which way you're dialed. It's your style, your preference. And then I don't think you need to work on the side you're already good at. I think trying to beef up the other side, it won't decrease. It's not like a scales. It's not like that strong side is going to come down. You're going to add in complementary skills. And if that's what leaders were working on, I think it would make a difference. Yeah, that's my secret. And it's fascinating because it's a huge debate, right? You've got the whole camp that says you got to work on your strengths. You got to work on your strengths. But uh, I think the flip side of that and probably where you're leaning is kind of the wheel idea, right? If you have a wheel of of your strengths, right? And one of them's way up here and one of them's down here, like that is a bumpy ride. Yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think there's, uh, you know, ultimately I think there's something to be said for both, but I think you're right. The whole idea of like, oh, it's just your strengths, go do your strengths. I've found that there are very few bits of advice that put people in a box more than that. Oh, that's an interesting idea. And I, I come at it a slightly different way. By the way, I love strengths and I do strengths finders with people and all that. But my point is, I want you to know your strengths. I want you to be confident in your strengths. Yes. But I don't necessarily want you to turn up the volume on your strengths because then often they become overused, yeah. right? Like me as a person who loves talking to people, if I just ramp that up, at some point, people are just going to be going, shut him up, right? Like, yeah. make him stop talking. It's going to become an overuse. I don't need more of that. So. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. Uh, it's so good. All right. So uh, now I've worked with enough coaches uh, to know that we have a habit of giving our very best energy to our clients, you know, putting it all out there, you know, the diving catch, the Herculean effort. And then we find ourselves at the end of the day with nothing left over. So, uh, you know, one of the hmm. things that can happen is we 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 sometimes lose sight of, of what we need to work on for ourselves in our own business. So I'm going to have you take off your coach, consultant, advisor hat for a moment. I'm going to have you put on your CEO hat and jump into the ring with the rest of us and talk to us a little bit about what you're doing to grow both as a leader and a communicator and also to grow your business. Well, let me start with the second one first. So uh, it's I love the setup because I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction. In 2022, this past year, uh, not completely through my own choosing, I only worked 10 months out of the year. And I made more money than 2021. And I looked at that and went, well, that's a good model, isn't it? So my goal for my coming year is to work 10 months of the year intentionally and make more money than 2022. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm, I, I don't mind making the diving catch. I don't mind giving my all to my clients, but I'm taking two months. I love it. I love it. And so what would you say, what do you think the challenge is to making that happen? You, you kind of fell into it this year, right? Uh, but you've got to make it happen intentionally. So moving from that intuitive, it happened to the intentional. What do you think the challenge is in making that work? Well, I am uh, finding all kinds of ways to network, which again, by the way, networking has completely changed during COVID, hasn't it? Right. Sure. But I have a pretty high presence online. And so I'm I'm really working that. And even by the way, when I'm traveling, I can still be online, right? So, uh, yeah, I'm putting a lot of things in place that are going to help me with that. I love it. 
I love it. Fantastic. Now, uh, before we go, uh, I'm going to ask you in just a second uh, how folks can get in touch with you, but I know that you've got a podcast of your own. Uh, it's the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast. Is that right? Tell us That's a little right. bit about it and where we can find it. So the Look and Sound of Leadership is available anywhere you can find fine podcasts. Uh, I've been doing it for 15 years. Wow. It is, uh, like yours, it's about 20 minutes. And it is, the first 10 minutes are like you're listening to me coach someone. It's all in dialogue and it's a story like you're a fly on the wall. And then I just unpack it for the last mm. 10 minutes. And Fantastic. there's always a tool. There's always something you can use. And uh, yeah, it's been fantastic. It's changed my life. It's been so great. I love doing it. I love it. I love it. So the Look and Sound of Leadership podcast, check it out. I know you're going to love it. I had, I did have a chance to check out a couple of episodes and they were all wonderful. I mean, just really, really uh, fun and enjoyable and and super informative as well. Uh, okay. Thanks. So I know some, some folks are sitting there listening and they're like, you know, I've never thought of this before, but Tom's on to something here and I've got to know more. So uh, for those folks who, who, who want to improve the, the look and sound of their leadership, how can they find out more about you and, and your work? So I run a company called Essential Communications. Our website is essentialcom with two m's.com. We've got lots of free resources, stuff you can download, have for yourself. You don't have to pay anything, just take it. Uh, so you can do that. And you can reach out to me if you want to talk about coaching or the look and sound of leadership or any of that stuff. Like, come on, I'll be glad to hear it. from you. Yeah. Fantastic. So essentialcom with two m's.com. Essentialcom with two m's dot uh, com. We'll put that in the uh, the show notes so everyone can go straight to it. And Tom, it's just an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. And for Thank everyone you. listening, your time and attention mean the world to us. We're so honored to be here with you. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.